Before we get into the episode, we'd just like to mention that due to the current global pandemic, we are conducting some of our discussions with guests on online mediums and therefore there might be some inconsistencies in audio quality in the conversations. Thank you so much for your understanding. Please note that the topics, issues and areas discussed in this podcast may cause distress to some listeners, as well as the possible use of bad language. Listener discretion is advised. Why, hello there, and welcome back to Addressing the Elephant, the Mental Health Podcast. Um, Happy New Year. It's 2021. Yeah, we made it through 2020. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for supporting and creating a space to have conversations about mental health and all things that may relate to and impact on mental health. Uh, for the next few weeks, um, I have, I'm delighted to have a series of podcasts, which I recorded at the end of last year with, uh, some staff members from Sexual Health West, which is a sexual health organization best based in the West of Ireland. The conversations, I enjoyed them so much. Some of them are a bit too long. So instead of having a really, really long episode, what I've done is I've subdivided them into uh, two episodes, but it's the same conversation. So they'll follow on, they'll come out on the same day, but you don't have to listen to them in one in one go. So yeah, I hope you enjoy. On this episode of the podcast, I am delighted to be joined by Megan O'Neill, who is a sexual health educator with Sexual Health West. Megan, hello, how are you? Good morning, Rachel. How are you? Not so bad now. It, we sound very professional right now, but full disclosure, we have been chatting for about half an hour laughing at each other. So uh, if we seem already a bit giddy, we are. So just, just bear with Absolutely. us. Absolutely. No denying that at all. The giddiness factor is quite high today, I would say. Yeah, but it's still early, so we're all right. Um, <laughs> Megan, can you tell us a little bit, like, I mean, I could go into trying to explain all that you do and all that sort of stuff, but I don't think I'd ever do it justice. Can you give us a quick summary of you know who you are your background what you do as a sexual health educator and all that jazz oh absolutely so um my name is Megan like Rachel was saying uh I'm a relationships and sexuality educator at Sexual Health West so uh I started with the organization about two years ago now so I my background was in health promotion Mm -hmm. so um I basically my long windy road to try and get to sexual health I was trying to find a course or something where I wanted to engage with young people and more about sexual health because growing up for myself that my sexual health education was lacking um, Mm -hmm. a a little bit in school Uh, I went to an all-girls catholic primary and secondary school so uh, the main message I got about sex was don't do it Uh, a lot of words like dirty or shameful uh, were thrown around so it wasn't an experience that I enjoyed and then as I got older then I kind of just started noticing that for things around sexual health and sexual education that there didn't seem to be an awful lot that I could see that were kind of positive it was mm-hmm. it was a lot of negative and especially during college there was a lot of kind of shame around things you know STI checks and things like that so I was trying to find and through 710 random jobs mm-hmm. uh, I decided to go back to college um, and I found this great course in NUAG a master's in health promotion which kind of covered a good bit of kind of everything really and mm-hmm. how to promote health and then I was so lucky then that I did my internship then with Sexual Health West so I was with them for a year while doing my master's and I was even lucky again then once that ended that I got offered a full-time position inside there with the guys and it was just amazing so 
since then I have been traveling all over the west of Ireland and everywhere really uh, teaching young people competent uh, relationships sexuality education so what we do we do what's called the wider program Mm -hmm. so it's the west of ireland sexuality education resource bit of a tongue twister Mm -hmm. and uh it's all about teaching young people fact-based researched healthy sexual health information for them Mm -hmm. and it's just you know it's not shame in young people it's you know it covers everything our big mantra being that there's no question that we won't answer because if we get questions from young people that they might be afraid to ask because i think a lot of times that, you know, we can assume what people know, but, you, you know, there is no harm in asking. And we always say there is no mm-hmm. stupid questions. Um, I mean, we do often get the one, how to do sex good, which is uh, mm-hmm. one of I my think favorites. there's still adults in their adult life now that don't know how to do sex good. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's a question that comes up all the time. And uh, I think it's just even just opening a conversation that they don't feel ashamed or they don't feel that they can't ask these questions because we always say you know if we don't answer these questions that young people are dying to know that they could end up going on the internet go down some really dodgy dangerous rabbit holes because Mm -hmm. you know we know that there's a lot of information out there that is incorrect as well um we often say to people you know they come out with the craziest things and we're kind of going if you're reading it in the daily mail i, I most of the time i'd advise know that you know maybe they're really trusting the daily mail says anyway <laughs> exactly you know that woman definitely wasn't born with seven breasts you know it, i think that may be an exaggeration six is a push uh, like a six exactly the yeah. tree you know from blade runner but uh <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's just trying to kind of open healthy conversations really mm-hmm. and you know we're so lucky as well then because we get to do parent evenings as well so the parents will come and ask questions to us about you know what what's in your program what are you going to chat to my young person about how do I chat to my young person mm-hmm. because I think sometimes uh, I know definitely for myself anyway from my own home that those conversations can be hard for parents as well mm-hmm. you kind of forget that they're people too and they're just they want to chat to their young person but then they might have had the tools or the conversations to understand you know and then they hear things and assume that everybody's sending nudes like they're all doing it these days it's like well not necessarily mm-hmm. it, you know the research has shown that it's nowhere near as common as people think but again it's just another thing that's perpetrated that it's you know everybody's sending images explicit images but it's just trying to get really healthy conversations going yeah. and so we do a lot of work within schools we also do um, things like rapid HIV tests. And uh, we also have a campaign that I started during lockdown, um, our protection packages. So basically, mm-hmm. for all of your fabulous listeners, Rachel, if anybody would like a free, free, which is fabulous, everybody loves free, everybody loves mail. Uh, so you get free lubricant, sexual health information, and condoms sent to your address anywhere in Ireland. So all you got to do is reach out to us um, on any of our social medias, at Sexual Health West, or drop us an all email or drop us a letter if you want. I mean, actually, no, don't. There's no one in the office. Uh, we're all working from home. <laughs> so if you just want to reach out, we can send free protection packages because we were trying to figure out ways to engage with our uh, service users because mm-hmm. obviously we weren't in, and we weren't doing it the normal way we do it. So our roles inside, you know, they're so changeable at the moment, but we try and kind of, you know, reach out to as many people as possible and even doing different workshops and stuff within 
um, different centers, different community centers. We go to schools and uh, we go to colleges as well. Um, we were chatting before this podcast started about Shag Week and we always do testing during Shag Week mm-hmm. and giving out loads of free condoms, which is one of my favorite things to do, just to be trying to chat to people and they're trying to kind of look at the stall and they're going, will I, oh, what's going on over, over? And uh, for over. those of you who don't know, Shag Week is Sexual Health and Guidance Week. That is a, a week here um, in colleges in Ireland. Absolutely. And it's such a, and as well, it's such a fun name as well. Shag Week is just kind of a, they're really yeah, good Shag with Week a, and an acronym. Week. Yeah, they're great with an acronym, I have to say. Uh, but yeah, so in a nutshell, <laughs> in a very, very long-winded way, that's kind of the background and how I came to work in Sexual Health West. And it's just been a fantastic place to work. I love, I mean, I'm so constantly talking about anything got to do with sexual health. I mean, mm-hmm. my poor partner I'd say is so uh, withered of here let's talk about periods again he's like I know I get it Meg you know <laughs> again <laughs> but uh it's just it's such an important factor I think in everybody's life I mean mm-hmm. I think we have it, it just encompasses everything how you feel about yourself and you know it ties in with everything about your mental health how you feel about yourself um and yeah yeah absolutely and I, and I empathize in the sense that I feel like I'm a broken record talking about mental health all the bloody time um mm-hmm. but it, it needs to be talked about and like you you're always talking about sexual health and it needs to be talked about because like mm-hmm. you said it impacts on like the sexual health physical health mental health it's all intrinsically linked we all just need to be conscious of um the different aspects of it i will be uh picking up on a point that you made uh throughout uh what you were your your little spiel shall we say um <laughs> and it was the fact that on a number of occasions you used the word shame and I'm specifically picking that term because that is the topic we are going to talk to talk overtly kind of loosely about today is the topic of shame. But sh- shame is something that is linked in and it does a- a- impact on our mental health. But we're going to talk about shame in the in the idea of a sexual health context and what we're going to talk about. Disclaimer for all ye sensitive tulips out there. We're going to be talking about periods. We're going to mm-hmm. be talking about pubic hair. We might even be talking about sex. Oh, no. Oh, Lord. So <laughs> just, yes, shame. Exactly. I mean, come here. I, I, it's something that uh, gets brought up again and again. And I think especially, um, obviously, we're just speaking here in an Irish context. And I know that mm-hmm. you probably have listeners all over the world. But um, just to give a little bit of background, kind of where we're be kind of starting with how... Uh, sexuality sexual health is kind of spoken about in mm-hmm. Ireland so predominantly um in Ireland there is kind of a nature for quite a long time that these were topics mental health sexual health that weren't really discussed an awful lot here um Still there was right. an awful lot of, exactly exactly I mean it's there was an awful lot of shame around it and just from going around to schools and even noticing having conversations and doing a lot of work in this area I just started kind of seeing a lot of trends about questions that were being asked and things that were kind of constantly being highlighted to me and a big thing was um, about pubic hair and Mm -hmm. it's so funny we always joke about my fellow fabulous sexual health educators that we always have one topic that we seem to rant a little bit more about Mm -hmm. and mine always seems to come back to shame and pubic hair and periods and anything that makes people feel bad about themselves basically but when we talk about kind of pubic hair and body hair, it's for people of all genders. And it's the mm-hmm. fact that this notion that kind of started, and I remember this as a young person, that to have pubic hair was seen as to be dirty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it became a big trend when I was younger that you have to get rid of all of it. 
And I don't know if anyone has ever smelt a hair removal cream, but that is a smell that I cannot pinpoint why that is so disgusting. But they, I, I don't know what it is, but it's a pungent smell. And I remember. And they do say so that, like, oh, there's different scents. I'm like, mm, that's not <laughs> Yeah, there's just one smell of rotten. Yeah, um, rotten, mate. <laughs> that's the limerick of me coming out there, rated <laughs> rotten. Rotten and none are the two words that I always say the exact same. But uh, yeah, and it just became this thing. And I, I remember even younger then thinking, I was like, why do I have to get rid of this? Why do I have to wax my eyebrows? Why does this hair have to be gone? Mm-hmm. And it, it was something that subconsciously I you know everyone was doing it and I kind of just kept questioning why and then as I got older and I got into this field I started noticing that there was again really aggressive words around people getting rid of their pubic hair and I was Mm -hmm. kind of going all right you know it's on it's unclean it's filthy it's dirty all these words and I was kind of going all right okay that's that's smidgen aggressive and then even speaking with young people in schools, and I always ask them, I said, why do you think it's there? What's the function of it? You know, why do we have it? And one of the best responses is usually to keep you warm, which I think yeah. is lovely. <laughs> Just this beautiful it's little cold down there. Exactly, exactly. We're all people. We all have genitals. We need to keep them protected. Yeah, but uh, I mean, if you're thinking of the logic of like uh, animals have hair to keep them warm. So, I mean, it, I can see the logic there. Exactly. And as well, we're thinking about, we're critical thinkers. We're, we've got mm-hmm. critical thinkers out there. Um, but it's, it serves a purpose, you know what yep. I mean? It is something that traps sweat. It's also um, to keep out dirt and bacteria. But, you know, if people want to get uh, this, I mean, I have to just get more. If you want to do anything with your pubic hair, that is absolutely your choice. You can mm-hmm. braid it, you can bejazzle it, you can, you know, crochet it. Well, not really crochet it, but, you know, we get very creative with your designs. Okay. <laughs> but it's, the fact I think that starting a conversation of why do you feel you have to get rid of it Mm -hmm. and I think that's kind of where it all comes back into shame it's kind of this notion that if I don't do it then I'm dirty which is the exact opposite of what you know pubic is there it's there for a function um and it's just trying to kind of open these conversations especially with young people Mm -hmm. and you know the pressure even on body hair again we, we were chatting about this um before this started just you know, the pressure on people's bodies here, you know, chest hair and things like that, Mm -hmm. because, you know, women get chest hair, men get chest hair, um, but then there can be pressure then on people to get rid of it, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the most harmful things you could say to somebody is, you know, trying to shame them for how their body looks or what Mm -hmm. they have on it, you know. um, Or even the idea around shaving your legs. Um, Exactly. I've gotten to the point that I'm I'm just too lazy to shave my legs. So usually when I shave my legs, it's either I have to do it because there's something coming up, or I felt like it because I like the feeling of my legs being clean shaven. I'm just too lazy to do it all the time. <laughs> oh, exactly. And it's, I it's, think it's that's self-care it... that I'm not doing it all the time. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, what the conversation should be with yourself. It's kind of going, OK, why am I doing this? Am I doing this because it makes me feel good, which is mm-hmm. fabulous. If that if it makes you feel good to be like a seal from eyebrow to toe, that is absolutely your prerogative. Yeah, it, it's just one of those things, I think, that... It just needs to not be to make somebody feel bad. I, I think that that's what I noticed. The more and more I read, the more and more I heard and listened. It mm-hmm. was, you know, are people making comments on other people's genitalia? You know, oh, there was too much hair around this person's penis or this person, you know, oh, their pubic hair looks weird or whatever. And 
to take those comments. I always say to young people when, you know, we're given our program that, you know, you wouldn't walk in and tell someone to go and shave their head or take their eyebrows off. So why do you think you have the right to comment on how somebody does or doesn't shave their legs? It doesn't make you any less of a nicer person. Mm -hmm. It doesn't affect your personality. Um, But I think it's just, they say, well, there's lots of theories of, you know, why, the big hair uh, shaving movement kind of took off and a lot of it is kind of associated with porn. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, apparently it became from this particular porn director uh, who was doing a scene with two of the porn actors and he was doing a close-up shot on the genitalia and he asked the porn actors, it was a male and female scene and he said, could you shave your genital hair? Because I want to be able to see, get a, a better money shot, basically. Get, get, get all up in there, like. And, get all up and, in oh, there. Oh, just because... view. <laughs> exactly. It's kind of going, you know, I, I'm sure that the images were close enough, but apparently the hair was obscured everything. Um, and uh, so then they, you know, there's a theory then that, you know, that filtered down through society and that basically then it became unacceptable uh, to have pubic hair. And at the end of the day, you know, we are you know, neither confirming nor denying what people should do with their pubic mm-hmm. hair. It's basically just saying that, you know, it is your choice what mm-hmm. you do with it. And there is no rhyme or reason where anybody should be shaming somebody else to do something with it. You know, if you don't mm-hmm. want to shave under your arm hair, I mean, the fact that that's such a big thing for, you know, one gender and not another, is mm-hmm. still just bizarre cakes to me. I yeah. just... And I, I suppose we could even argue the fact that I'm like, it is like your body naturally does this depending on and like if you have hormone imbalances you might have more hair than other people um i think is it polycystic ovarian syndrome that if people have it there they might grow more body hair and stuff like that so i'm like inherently we're shaming people for a natural hormonal function of the body absolutely and it's kind of it's so bananas when you think about it it's going why why do we feel the need that everybody has to conform to a certain way of you know I'm using vertical beauty or or what there's a standardized version of that mm-hmm. you know what I mean whether you know and I think it's well, like I have a thing about hair anyway that you know because I think growing up as well my mother had alopecia mm-hmm. so she had no hair and she had no eyebrow hair um and she had no hair pretty much any but you know it was you know I could see how people would shame her and say you know cruel things or whatever and I never understood it because I thought she was so beautiful I was going but she's fab you know what's going on and as a child and you know I think but she was trying to explain to me she's like people have so much impact on hair and they have such opinions on it you know whether Mm -hmm. it's the hair in your head or the hair in your arms and you know and even for you know for men as well you know that I was reading the thing recently and it was about uh the unspoken kind of Hollywood um procedure is hair plugs that it's mm-hmm. apparently it's a very difficult thing for people to embrace that you mightn't have a lot of hair there and again it just it's all reverse back I put it keep saying it back to shame and it's just about how you make other people feel or these these norms don't actually help anybody they no, just make they those who don't conform to them feel bad about it mm-hmm. I mean you know I recently during the last lockdown I shaved my head just for you know boredom and uh, it was such a liberating thing because I was like, oh my God, that's actually what my face looks like. And it was just weird to see, a, you know, a bald me in front of me. But it's kind of just trying to kind of think, oh, you know, maybe we don't all have to kind of conform to one way in which our hair should mm-hmm. be. You know, maybe just let people be as hairy or not hairy as mm-hmm. they want to be. And yeah, I mean, like literally we could keep going around in circles about it. But I just and I, I, I will admit I have probably 
thought a thought about someone in my head subconsciously before and I, I just kind of like why do we shame people and why are we shaming each other I mean I, I know I, I, I think things about myself okay we will always kind of think things about ourselves we'll be our biggest critics at times but I read something actually as well and it's um the first thought you might have about someone um like say for example if I saw someone I'm like, Jesus the hack of her and then immediately I'm like that was so rude she actually fair play to her for having the confidence to wear that and the notion was that the first response you gave, which is the hack of her, is the societal influence and what is the expected response for you to have. And actually, the second response is actually your true self coming out being like, what am I doing? That is so rude. So I've, do- I've done it before and I've looked at um, I- I- I'd see, like, say, a picture of a celebrity and I'm like, Jesus, that's a that's an interesting dress they're wearing. I'm like, you know what? Fair, <laughs> fair play to her for having the confidence to do that. And. I always catch myself and I'm like, why am I judging this person? Because they're wearing whatever they're wearing. But then at the same time, it's like the, the, the second thought is the actual thought. So why, mm. do, why do we need to have that first thought in the, play, in the first place? Why can't we just be positive and not have to shame people? Because I think you, that's such a good point you're making, because I think that and you, you said it so well that, you know, it's kind of what is the norm? Do you know what? It's the first thing, and it's not that these are influences, you know, if you think about a child, a child doesn't grow up thinking that their hair looks weird, you know, mm-hmm. they're just born and, you know, are innocent of these um, things. But again, it's what is the norm and it's every influences that we get from, every, you know, your society, your culture and what you mm-hmm. surround yourself with. And if the culture is that this is the norm, you know, this is the way, you know, people are supposed to look, they're not supposed to have hair in this place they are supposed to have hair in this place their hair is supposed to be fabulous here they're supposed to look a certain way they're supposed to wear this dress yeah um, it, it puts so much pressure and it I, I heard a therapist say once that it was a uh, it's all about thought patterns so it's on it, when untraining your brain to have those thought patterns mm-hmm. and it's like you know breaking a habit so you know like smoking or something you know that we have those thoughts but what's fabulous is that you know recognize and like what you were doing it's it's checking it it's going okay why did I say that you know oh but I don't actually feel that I actually feel oh you you know off you go amazing fabulous wear that neon onesie off you you know whatever it is you know what Mm -hmm. I mean it's you know I think that we can so easily fall into that and it is it is hard because I mean I remember the big thing when I was younger <laughs> and if you didn't conform to this there was a quote uh, I think it was Kate Moss said it, that nothing looks as good as skinny feels and back when I was younger the big oh yeah <laughs> so back when I was younger, the big thing was heroin chic which is just the most bizarre term for a look that people should conform to that all people should be exceptionally slim and you know not have you know any from what I could see anybody fat anywhere and mm-hmm. I did not look like that so I was mm-hmm. kind of going well I don't look like them you know and it's it's all these things that you're trained to think from teeny tiny and you know I think we all but everyone's guilty of it I think we all you know maybe working on just kind of checking going okay why am I I think mm-hmm. I think asking yourself why for anything you know why do you shame yourself or why do you shame somebody else um, because we're all human we all make mistakes and we all do it I think it's just about trying to come to a place where you want to grow a little bit and kind of go oh well maybe maybe I don't want to I don't want to make anyone feel bad because I think people are innately good and don't want to make anyone else feel bad or themselves we're so mean yeah. to ourselves at the best of times um, <laughs> but it's true it, absolutely it really yeah, is I mean, like and I I just wonder like 
ultimately what do we get out of it by shaming someone else like it doesn't make me feel any better it makes me actually feel kind of excuse my language but it makes me feel kind of shitty for Mm. being rude about someone that like what what did I get out of that why did I need to make that comment about someone that it really did not matter what that like and I think as well in society it's kind of coming up like even if you walk into the supermarket and the magazines on one side it'll be like oh my god she's so skinny she needs to put on weight on the other side it's like oh my god she's dropped all the weight she looks amazing now and I'm like she looked amazing before she lost the weight like one thing exactly. I'm I, one thing I'm on about at the moment actually that is really grinding my gears and irking me is Adele and Rebel Wilson um, and it's the fact that oh my god now look at them every, every time I see an article about one of them or a picture or something about them referred to on social media or whatever these news apps it's always about the fact that they've lost weight and I'm like they were amazing human beings before they lost the weight and even I think I read something that like the reason Rebel Wilson or not the reason but part of the reason was she felt she wasn't being given some roles because of her weight and the fact that now granted that was an article I read so it could be someone's like we said earlier on I wouldn't trust what the Daily Mail says I don't remember who it was (laughs) so it could be someone making up this story but even the fact that even if some whether it was made up or whether Rebel Wilson said that the fact that someone had the notion that their body was preventing them from getting certain roles is ridiculous because it should be people's qualities as a human and their skills as like in Rebel Wilson's case an actress um in Adele's case she is just a fabulous human being and mm-hmm. a fabulous songwriter and musician but why are we so obsessed over the fact that she's lost whatever amount of weight she lost oh I, and it's so interesting you say that because today um I, I don't have social media myself but I work on the one for sexual health west and I was looking on it and I was posting things this morning about our testing and I actually it's so funny you mentioned that because I looked and I went into the search because I was trying to find something and I'm still not very great at social media I will admit and the first thing that popped up was a picture of Adele and it was like this comparison thing mm-hmm. and I was kind of going oh and I was trying to think of of course then I, I come back to shame I was thinking I was going Jesus I, I don't know if I'd like if that was me if someone just had a picture of this is when you were a certain way but you're better this way and I think just that pressure that must be for that person that okay you're great now you know because you know you're defined by what your scale says and I think that's just such a damaging thing and especially Mm -hmm. for you know young people and and what I notice as well that you know like like you're saying even when you're scrolling you can't help but see it you know it keeps coming up and I think that because our you know our society changes so much about how we receive information and I noticed as well that even in schools we posed a question I remember one day with a fabulous group and uh, said you know what would you do if um, you know because the pressure that they're always on their phones Mm -hmm. and the phone is such a present thing now and it was just about taking a break from it and I said what would you do if you sent someone a message and you saw that it was delivered but they didn't respond that was as if now I had told them that someone has shot your dog it was why would someone do that and it was the yeah exactly it was the abject horror that this person wouldn't be connected all the time Mm -hmm. they wouldn't constantly be on that and I think that this you know if that's the images you're seeing constantly even you know like we're saying about you know we didn't have social media when you know from a very young age Mm -hmm. but that this would be the first generation that has that and I can only imagine I I watched something recently and um I can't think of the name but it was about basically social media and how it's changed and 
it was the rate of suicide that has it's a social growing. dilemma on netflix yes it was which was brilliant um, i haven't seen it yet it's on my to watch list oh i would i would definitely advise it it was um it's it, it's terrifying mm-hmm. um i am i'm a little i will admit i'm a little bit uh when it comes to social media and tracking i'm a little bit nervous of that whole area mm-hmm. it just kind of gives me the willies but uh how clever kind of the algorithms are and how that you know basically people's lives are being manipulated by what Mm -hmm. they're seeing um but it was basically about that uh self-harm and suicide and the rates that it's growing Mm -hmm. predominantly in young women it's happening with young men as well but um that the pressures that they're under to conform to a certain way of looking and like you're saying about rep wilson and adele um it's just it's so scary that that is kind of the change but i think things like this are really good you know having conversations with people and like like the conversations you're doing and the work you're doing is so amazing because it's getting those messages out there that you know all of these things you know your sexual health your mental health you know it's innately how you're feeling about yourself and that Mm -hmm. affects how you know we treat ourselves you know if you keep seeing all those images that you don't look the correct way or your hair isn't the right way or whatever that it can have such a negative impact on, on your own self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And I think it's trying to build that resilience is very hard, I think, you know, for mm-hmm. young people, um, especially Absolutely. now. Absolutely. And one thing that I, I kind of, I do it myself all the time and I kind of say to people to do as well is I check in on like, so for example, I have um, Instagram. I have a number of Instagrams for different things. So I, like for this, the Green Elephant, which is the mental health initiative, I have personal Instagram, I have a photography Instagram, but I'm conscious of the different things that I'm following on each of them. And even my personal Instagram, like I know people that just follow everything and it's like, oh yeah, I like this song, so I'll follow this artist. But I, I'm very specific about what I follow on my personal Instagram because I, I don't want to, A, I don't want to be on on it all of the time. But I also am conscious that what are the things that I want to be seeing? And I have unfollowed people um because I just wasn't, like what they were posting was toxic for me or I've started following some body positivity uh, pages. And actually, even when I was on uh, Instagram yesterday, I think it was yesterday, it was, it was this morning, um, Sexual Health West uh, shared a picture about boobs and it was uh this is how boobs are portrayed in like the in in movies and in magazines and stuff but these are actually all the different ways that boobs are and i'm like Mm -hmm. absolutely um so i i fully i don't want to say i was enjoying the boob picture but i was enjoying the the representation (laughs) and the the body positivity but i suppose um one task i will throw out to people whoever this is just Take five minutes and take an audit of what you're following and what you're seeing on your social media. For those of you, I I have a Samsung phone. Um, I don't know if anyone else does, <laughs> but uh, Samsung actually has this thing uh, with the newer phones anyways, that you can set limits on the amount you spend on an app and it gives you oh, a, wow. and it's like you can, bu- you can download apps that do this. But for example, my, my Samsung phone does it automatically. And I have, um, I think it's an hour and 15 minutes I've set for Instagram. And then if I've, if I've used it for an hour and 15, it shuts it out. And I was like, do you want to add more time or not? And so, okay, sometimes sometimes I add more time if I'm, say, for example, I have friends all over the world and I talk to them mm-hmm. through Instagram. So if I'm talking to someone, I will add more time. If it's just because I've been absolutely mindedly scrolling, I'm like, okay, I don't need it. Because what, I've, what have I actually used this for today? Go through, take an audit of what you're um, looking at and 
unfollow some of these things or start following more positive accounts because what you're looking at is like you said the algorithms it's going to keep coming up in your suggested for you feed or whatever like that so now all that's appearing in mine is uh, there's this one guy and he has like the stupid alter ego with tiny hands called Stephen that makes me laugh so hard there is um, uh, Staffies because I absolutely love Staffies. Oh, they're they're a gift to the world. And uh, there's this uh, mother and Gray and me. Uh, it's the little boy. If you've ever seen him, he goes, thank you, mama. Every time she gives him something, he's such a polite little guy and he <gasps> warms my heart so well. So that is the sort of stuff that is now. And then like, you know, stuff about mental health, because that's what I'm always doing. Um, and then relating to the people that I follow. So that is kind of what's. Uh, the long-winded way of saying that that is what is now suggested for me on my social media and I'm not necessarily like obviously you're still getting these pictures about oh this is how I look now and this is the diet and because they're the, the ads that are on social media and Literally. stuff like that but I do have a look and have a check I, I know you said you're not on social media so this is for anyone that's listening do have a look re-audit what you're what you're gravitating towards what you're feeding into yourself and if something is not providing you with some sort of positivity or joy or if actually every time you see it, you're like oh I don't like it makes you feel a negative way you don't need that unfollow exactly. it exactly I think the way it's you look like, at things. I remember uh, someone explaining to me that you know even about being present you know that basically if you take a notification or you know a whatsapp message as a doorbell ring every if you think of it like that it's going oh I don't want someone ringing my doorbell all that time no. you know, but I think that's such a good piece of advice to give people that have those things where it would track it maybe on your phone and do unfollow because I mean I was checking the work account this morning and the first thing that popped up was about Scotland giving free period products and I was going yay but you know that's because everything that we would follow would be all about like you were saying about body positivity about mental health about you know justice in Ireland about healthy Galway you know just initiatives that would be you know in and around the community and it, it is you know, you feel then when you, it's like, oh, these are nice things. These are people, you know, these are positive things to hear. And they're things where there is good news. You know, it doesn't always have to be this kind of image that, you know, you need to look better. It's like, mm-hmm. you're fab the way you are. <laughs> fab the way you are. Here's a picture of a puppy. So I'm just going to cut the episode there. Um, as I had mentioned, these episodes are being split into two. Um, so uh, Shedding the Shame Part 2 is all about periods and contraception so please do tune in uh, for that episode which is also available right now if you want to be involved in any conversation with us please do reach out to us on any one of our social media we are at thegreenelephant.ie on facebook and instagram and green elephant mh on twitter thank you so much for joining us address the elephant in the room your mental health matters <laughs>